Welcome to episode 60 of Boardwatch.eu, your regular podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault and miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Fair warning for this episode, not only were Yep and myself pretty sick during time of the recording, I also recorded with the wrong microphone. It's not too bad though, I tried my best at editing and I think it turned out decent. No news again, Legion is still not out, but we do anticipate a Thrawn Rex announcement anytime soon after that. But we again start with Community Watch at 15 minutes. Not only do we promote some podcasts and websites, we also talk about a very special community-created card. Game discussion starts at 37 minutes 30 seconds and concludes our card review of Return to Hoth and Wave 10. Play experiences start at 1 hour 50 minutes and 30 seconds uh, and has Alistair and Yeppe reporting from some regionals. Like always, thanks to our patrons and now have fun with the show! Hello listeners and welcome to episode 60 of Borders.eu, our podcast and we, you might hear it throughout the episode with me coughing and maybe even Yep has some problems. We are still sick or at least some of us and some of us are uh, just new coming coming back from the from overseas so bear with us. It should be, should be decent but not the best so um, but we still have something to talk about. So first of all there is uh we we have the full cast again. So starting off with Yeppe. Good evening. Hi Yeppe. So uh we had a little bit of snow in Vienna and it's brutally cold. So did you also get some snow or is it just cold on your side? We have this white thing that's on the ground and on the roofs for like maybe some hours, maybe even 24 hours. Some hours. I, I, I've been told it's called snow. <laughs> okay, okay. No, it's um, it's uh, the first snow we've had here in the Netherlands this winter, and we do have cold temperatures, uh, some places more than uh, double digit in the minus Celsius, which is uncommon here. Of course, I half of what I hear from friends and so on are from, from friends in Denmark, where it's even colder, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit colder than, than usual. I think actually it's one of the coldest we've had for a very long time, but the snow here is practically gone again. I just I just saw a few days ago a, a satellite map with temperatures across Europe, and Austria seems to be, or at least like uh, Western Austria, seems to be the, the, the capital of cold weather with like minus, minus 20, minus 25 the past few days. So... I I'd say it's it's time to to stay in right now. So good board gaming <coughs> weather, as they say. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> um, so speaking of cold, uh, Pazi, what's the what's the update from the north? Well, the temperature is uh, from minus fifteen to minus twenty, and it has been such uh, for the last uh, two to three weeks. So you sort of get used to it, but. Uh, you wish that uh, it would be about zero, so that you get could get your car started. <laughs> yeah, at least at, at least you have a little bit more light now. Yes, it, than in December. Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, uh, nice to have a little bit of uh, sunlight during the day. I saw a, I saw a meme today how in the Netherlands they call it the Siberian beast when it's this cold in the UK they call it the snow cannon in Denmark they call it the Fimble winter which is from Norse mythology and in Finland they call it Wednesday Wednesday 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, but we are we're not done. You heard him before. Uh, Alistair is back, and Alistair, where were you actually? So that you I are was, back again. I was way too warm in Canada, so I moved yeah. back to London to be freezing and see snow everywhere. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> it was good to be on the other side for a bit, but uh, reminding me of the accents and getting ready for worlds. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm back now, and I'm I'm cold. I regret it. I got the wrong way around. Yeah. So you you did visit family there, right? Yeah, okay. back the first time in a while. Actually, yeah. the last time I was back was Worlds when I was acting as the UK's national champion. So everybody was asking me, you know, what happened this year? And I said, Luke Sykes, he's too good. <laughs> uh, speaking of Worlds, you tried to get in. Uh, so we're, we're starting the episode right now. So uh, speaking Sounds of good. speaking of Worlds, you tried to get in Worlds and there have been some problems? Well, I, I, the, the classic problem, I mean, they obviously, you know, didn't know who I was. You know, the name didn't recognize. It didn't have a flag at FFG. You know, Alistair Scott, former UK national champion. You were on the podcast, goddammit. What's going on Pastors there? Past prime a little bit, obviously. A bit of a faded glory. But, you know, there's a bit of a... You know, you, you take care of the old folks in this in this community, I would hope. So I thought that I would get a pity pass. But, no, I got I got one of the, the letters saying, sorry, you didn't make your uh, your the one game you tried to get in for. Probably one of the few people who's getting on a plane just for IA, but uh, didn't try for anything else. But uh, I'm on the waiting list till the end of the month. We clearly yeah. need more nepotism in the U.S., <laughs> I mean, we, we, there should there should be more reserved spots, right? I mean, for, for what I what I don't understand is how how FFG can botch the the signups in a way. It's not really a botch, but um, structure the signups signups in a way so that you that people that have only one game listed or the first game listed don't get in, but people who register first for another game and then have the second game registered. That they get into the tournament and have somehow priority because they did it before. So that's some that's kind of weird for me because I know they want to have people playing there even if they drop out of the drop out of the the Swiss tournament right away so they can play other other games. But it's certainly yeah. a bummer for people that only want to play one specific game and don't get in at all. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, they've they've tried very hard, and I think they will, you know, make Europeans more of a thing, more of a thing for this community. And and they recognize it. They'll say it's always going to be hard for us to get you across the world. But at the same time, worlds will always be worlds too. There'll always be that sort of sense of you really want to get there if you can. So I, I agree. I, I I know that a very few. Pe I certainly will say this in the communities I'm watching. Very few people got everything they wanted. But um, you know, the, as I said, there were some people who had IA as as obviously a rank three thing, and they've sort of said, well, I won't go for just IA, which of course breaks my little heart because i see you know they didn't get armada or uh or x-wing so they're there therefore you know ia not good enough no Fools. i i haven't filled out the form but i understood from some of the other podcasts that they were talking about that what they missed was that you could actually rank them what your priority was between the games when you uh, oh, signed it okay. well, well i missed that i only signed one so maybe yeah i yeah, that's certainly a bummer i i think we should add that in in a it's somewhat complicated this year with the uh, applications to go to Worlds and it's actually not at all a done deal yet because the only people who've had to apply uh, now uh, which was I think a week or so ago uh, were people who weren't having reserved seats so they're doing a basically another round here in March which is for the people who have reserved seats and then after that then if there are seats available they're going to offer them to those who had just gotten a rejection from just an open seat and then after that they're then going to make them 
open to the public in general around April 10th. Um, That's so complicated. Yeah, and it's complicated partly because... um, Actually, I think I I can see why they're doing it. And I think it's part of the story is that for anyone who is new to, to the competitive game and to the community and the other Star Wars communities in, at large, that there's been a lot of uh, criticism of the way they did sign up the previous years, where basically you more or less had to be at the computer at the right time, hope that their site didn't crash and that you got a ticket off before they sold out within the hour. Yeah. It's it's like last year. It's certainly a bit of a problem, the sign-ups. But at least we have... at least. There is not a lack of interest in the game, so that's, no, 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 no. That, that's that's only one way to look at it. That's true, but I think I I completely agree with Alistair. The, the problem is a bit if if you are very late to know if you can get it on some of the tickets that are freed up, then it's very difficult if you're not sort of nearby. Uh, if you have to afford uh, traveling there, um, and. As we've talked about, and we've also touched upon it, I think once before on the uh, podcast, it's a little bit. It was a little bit unclear whether regional champions are afforded a reserved seat or not, and I guess we'll know in a month. Um, I, I hope they are, because that's what basically their, their article says. Uh, and regionals, regardless of where you are in the in the world, it's because last year at 17, it was only if you were a regional champion from North America, you were a reserved seat, and that North American part has fallen out of the event description. So, presumably, regionals from all over the world should have a reserved seat, but we'll know in a... Well, if I'd known that, I would have tried harder, and those three I've already been to. I've only come top four so far, so... (laughs) I I have two to go to still, too, in, in March. I'd say you and me both, except we only had one regional, and that's uh, bygone, and I definitely didn't uh, make it through. But we'll get to that in a moment, I guess, later when we talk play experiences. Um, I still think that they're doing the right thing in terms of doing things a bit different. I just think that they could really still fine-tune it. And at the end of the day, I think the main problem is that they have a limited capacity, and that's what's causing the the problems. Okay, so that that's our initial take on Onwards, I think we will see how the, the situation develops, especially for Hester and Yepa. We'll see, but at least we all will be joining up on uh, the European Championships in Birmingham. So that all I think is sorted, sorted out right now. So okay, so there is no cleanup today. Also, no news for the for the Vassal tournament. Still working on it, and with me being very sick the last few weeks, it's been a bit of a problem. Also, I need to get some personal stuff out of the way first, so uh, keep tuned, though. So, a no cleanup, and also, I have to disappoint you, Jeppe, no news again. And even though I'm not worried, I, I'd i like some, some, some lightening up, but we are still, we're still in, a, in, a, in the pre-Legion launch era, I'd say, and people uh, are talking about Legion left and right, long, and so there have been oh, discussions on Facebook again. and whatever. Wow, it's so, it's so annoying. I shouldn't have joined it, really, but... <laughs> we are Legion, except we're not. <laughs> yeah, we are not Legion, so... I followed the I followed the Legion news uh, a bit, and I've seen like four or so playthrough videos, and I, I because I'm curious about, it, I'm I'm not going to dip my toe into it, but I've still wanted to know about it. Um, I understand it might be a business decision that they're keeping us on ice for now, but um, I'm also not worried. But I am impatient for us uh, 
getting a, a bone on what's in this in the future for us. What I dislike about the situation the most is that they are they, they probably have some pent up releases and uh, after Legion the Legion uh, launch hype dies down, they will <coughs> I'm sorry, you can you can hear it. Uh, they will probably release some Imperial Assault in quick uh, news in quick succession. <coughs> and we will have so much to talk about that the episodes we go we get we'll get three hours again, so I don't know if this or is. We'll a have good... to underserve some really good news because it'll be you know, under the rest. I don't. No, I, I don't mean, think what... that's an option. So, <laughs> what I found really interesting is just the last few events in in the UK because you know we're going to be the good news podcast. Obviously, is that uh, you've probably you may have seen the UK regionals have all had near max numbers. They've all been you know in the um, you know, really high. So it's it's you know the, the state of the game seems really good. Lots of positivity online. So. You're getting a lot of people wondering, asking the same Legion question every week or so, but you get the same response from the fans saying, Legion looks good, but it's this is a better or different game. It's not going to compete directly. But it, this whole FFG timing thing, such a challenge for them, because right now I'd say there's, in two years of playing, I've never seen so much new entrance and enthusiasm for the game, and they just need that one that one release to come out or be announced now to hook the players who've come in at the start of the year, done a region, got a sparkly dice and go, Hey, you know, what's, what's this game about? And they want to see something new so that they can get excited about being on the same page. So, I mean, the other part of this is I'm seeing so many people on Facebook, either selling out of the game or trying to buy in. So your buyer's guide is as ever getting a lot of uh, traction, I'm sure. But uh, you want to have that one sort of like, well, we'll all be on the same page when, you know, Wicked comes out or what have you. I have to say, I'm I'm watching your tournament scene with envy from over here in the Netherlands, uh, Alistair, because we only had one regional, and I think it's more or less the only tournament we've had since the national. So that's like three three months, uh, a little bit more maybe, um, and uh, and basically the the uh, the store that held the regional um, was saying that they might not do one ever again because it's. It's too expensive for them to get the kits, and the, the player base was maybe lagging. So there are reasons why we don't have as many events right now. But but um, yeah, I um, I'm well. The current flood here won't stay on a stale meta as as good as I think it is right now. Um, you know, the next time people are going to be rolling into stores, they're going to be wanting to try out some new swag. So um, we'll see, I suppose. Yeah, and it's not because I would sort of. Uh, draw from from how the we're maybe lacking a bit of events here right now um but it does look really healthy in the in the uk and it also looks like a lot of your tournaments had more attendance than uh, several of the big american regionals well and they were hard fought too which we can talk about uh, when we get to that as well but yeah i uh i think the meta seems the uk meta is is uh, from what i can tell really different from america's um you know, there, there always has been less ugnaught there's always been different sort of things favored here stuff that i think if i do make it back to worlds will probably be bit of a culture shock for some of the UK players going but uh i think you see a lot of people having a lot of fun and also able to be recommended beginners have been able to be recommended some pretty solid workable lists and have fun with them and i think that's another good sign of the game right now um but we can come to that with play experiences later yeah so uh since there's no news we will just do a little bit of community watch and i need to take note on the time now before i forget um and community watch is i really 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 want to highlight uh, the two other podcasts that are doing mainly or only Imperial Assault are Twin Troopers and Science Finest. And Twin Troopers 
gave a, a sign of life last week when they released a, a podcast episode after a bit of a hi hiatus. And they are basically back. They had some, one of their hosts uh, fell out of, dropped out of the game, but they have a new host. And so they are two hosts again and talking about uh, recent meta and, and tournaments. So it's very good. And on the other side, you also have Science Finance, which is a one-man show mostly. But he has some, I think he always has some guests, but the guests rotate through. And he had um, episodes he have, with... Does, doesn't he have more or less a regular co-host? Or maybe I can't disturb the voices when we, I listen to him. I don't remember. I seem to remember. Yeah, it might be. What I, what I do remember is that uh, they had not only uh, Daniel Taylor uh, in the recent episode, but also well, really Paul Heaver. One, yeah. Sorry? Uh, Daniel Taylor one's been on my to-listen-to list for a while. i got to make sure I get to that tomorrow. It's it's a very nice episode, and uh, Daniel Taylor also talks about some of his more fun lists with uh, Panthers and um, uh, JavaScript Avengers and Droid stuff. So it's very interesting. So um, it's a very high level discussion. So if you are into skirmish and you also think you are you have a good handle on skirmish, this is certainly some something you should listen into because it's a very good discussion on a high level. Yeah, and and I thank uh, thank you to them for shouting out for the Discord for a good place, our Discord for a good place to uh, sure. to find vessel games. And then I just I I commented on their Facebook uh, when they released that episode. But I just have to tip my hat to them for going out on a limb and uh, doing stuff with spies, which I've strived to but failed spectacularly at. And they've done a little bit better at it. Uh, one of their uh, hosts. Yeah, I I keep forgetting his name, but the host of Science Fantasy is a big proponent of the Smuggler Box Spy a Rebel list where you have Han, uh, C-3PO, uh, Ahsoka, Jin, Lando, and I think MHD even. So it's a little bit of a, a weird list in my eyes because it doesn't have the, that much damage potential, but it's certainly very interesting and you should listen to them. They explain it, explain it in great detail. Okay, second item is you also should... Uh, uh, join up on Twitch, and um, there you should subscribe to Brett Kelly's Twitch channel, who has been very good on doing regular Imperial Assault streams, Vassal streams, of course. So what he did is uh, he's just hopping online uh, on the afternoons and starting the stream and seeing who's online, who wants to play a game, or maybe even look at some games that are ongoing. And he had played a game against Daniel Taylor, he had played a game against some Italian guys, uh, Lucius, I think it was. I, I forget. Who we'll talk about in a moment, in fact. Uh, it wasn't, maybe it was not Lucius, maybe it was another guy. I forgot. But it's very good. Also, I'm not sure if he already did the the, the, the archive stuff, so you can watch the last seven seven days of his streams. But if he didn't, I'm going they're to tell on, him again. They're on YouTube. Oh, he's there on YouTube? Oh, uh, that's very fine, so... So I will I will edit in the link uh, in the show notes, of course, also to Team Troopers and Science Finance. So you can uh, go there and get your skirmish fix um, that you desperately need, of course. Uh, third and last item, we had some, uh, in our created content channel, uh, someone from Italy named Lucius. I think he's from Italy, right? Okay. Uh, he... He uh, he posted a, a card, a, um, a custom created card, 
which I found really interesting. And I think we should uh, take a few minutes and talk about it. But since I, I read, <coughs> or since <coughs> my voice isn't too good, <coughs> I'm sorry, since my voice isn't too good, uh, I'll have one of you read the card and then we'll talk about it. So, uh, Pazzi, do you want to read the, uh, the card that Lucius made? How do you pronounce that? <laughs> You can you can say his his book name if you uh, want. Mitra Nudrodo. Grand Admiral. Yes, something like that. So it, <laughs> yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn is it. Uh, six. Uh, his cost is six. Uh, he's an elite and unique. A skirmish only. Uh, ten health, speed four, black defense die. A melee attack with two uh, uh, red dice. Uh, plus one uh, evade and a search ability for plus two damage. Then there is a list of uh, uh, special actions. First one is tactical. Yeah, and, and I think that's I think the special actions are what's yeah. really interesting about this. So tactical order: choose another friendly figure. That figure may interrupt to perform a move. So it's just like an order, but without uh, range. So so anywhere on the map. Then there is the second uh, special action, draw one command card scheme. So you can get to your cards uh, more quickly. So this is sort of... Uh, yeah, it's similar yeah. to how R2-D2 works on terminals, uh, just that it doesn't need to be next to a terminal. And then there is... Uh, Who knew he and Jabba had yeah. that much in common? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, then there is a double... Uh, action or double special action the art of war your opponent claims the initiative token yeah and i think that's that's what we want to talk about when we when we when, when you are done with the card. okay yeah and another double action uh strategic strategic reserve choose one of your defeated troopers that has a reinforcement cost of two or less Place that figure adjacent to any other figure of its group, so it's sort of a built-in reinforcement. Reinforcements, yes. So uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is um, we have uh, the art of war. Your opponent claims the initiative token, and Alucius. Why am I so loud today? Um, Alucius. He said that this was an attempt to. To maybe disrupt the uh, take initiative and negation meta, which right now I, I know I'm sure you all of you know that usually most or virtually all uh, command card decks have two spots already occupied: one with take initiative, the other one with uh, negation. So you can um, get that boost at the start of a round and maybe even hinder your opponent from getting the boost. And this is, of course bad for the game because it's too it's it's almost like this is an auto include and this shouldn't be really uh, a, a thing in a in a in a in a deck of cards yeah it's not like an auto include because it's just uh, really good you know in a lot of lists with a lot of different features it's sort of a a fundamental like um, pace change for one of the biggest aspects of the game that that everybody just runs so it's it's uh... Yeah, I sort of agree that it's, it's it's a bit bigger than, you know, assassinate being really valuable to a lot of figures that want to kill things. Yeah, and the Art of War is disrupting this a bit because uh, what it does is uh, for Take Initiative to work, you first need to have initiative during a round. 
and during the next round, at the start of the at the end of the round, the opponent would get taken, would get initiative, and at the start of the, the round, you would play take initiative. But with with uh, Thrawn here, you can just trade away your initiative, and you would get it back next round at the start of uh, at the end of the round of at the end of the current round, of course. So there is no window for your opponent to snatch it back again. Um, so this is, I think, what's going on here. So it's basically a negation of um, of take initiative, and it has some drawbacks. Where uh, during the round, if you if you do this too early, you basically give your uh, your opponent the the timing the timing advantage for for certain effects that depend on initiative. Where you have timing conflicts and it is ultimately decided by who has the initiative token. So it's not that clear when you should use it, or you, you want to use it very late. And also, his other his other uh, actions aren't that bad. So I'm I'm impressed by the card because it's uh, uh, I'm I'm impressed by the card because it's it's very innovative. The the special action, of course, and yeah, I, I mean it's there's some balance problems with drawing cards. With Scylla technique could be really strong. He has ten health for six um, for a cost of six, so that's also very strong actually. And tactical order can be pretty good if you want to have some objectives runners that hide away during the start of the round. And then at the end of the round, just claim objectives or something like that. So there has to be some considerations, of course. But all in all, the art of war is something we really, 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 really need to look at. So, so any any other thoughts for the card on uh, from you guys? Uh, something something I didn't re read. He's uh, also spy and leader, and there are a couple of couple yes, of yes, good yes. leader cards in the <laughs> latest uh, releases. I think. I mean, I, I got to be careful here, but I, I want to sometimes be the. We all got nice things to say. I'm going to say one mean thing, so I hope you'll forgive me for a very well-designed card. No, sure. But of course, you, have that class you have that classic thing with any fan-created card where they, they there's, sometimes I think there's there's a little bit too much icing, where they sort of get a little carried away and they want to add another thing and another thing and another thing in a keyword. So I, I sort of thought the, the evade and the spy were you know possibly a bit much, given that they would just turn this into an unbelievably uh, good good card all around. Um, I mean, I really do like the idea about the you know getting the initiative token to sort of move for different reasons, but I think that it's it's this has got that smacks of does the guy who designed this have a big poster of Thrawn above his bed uh, <laughs> or uh, you know I'm the, sure. uh, the idea being like and of course which which true Star Wars fan doesn't but uh, I think Spy you know maybe a little bit a bit much I think I think you you could have this character being a little bit. Um, more takeaway, and then my problem as well is uh, on top of that is to have reinforcements. Um, I've been playing a few lists recently with uh, some riot troopers, and that reinforcement ability, if it's being thrown in for free because a sense of it's kind of a card that's lost favor, um, I think I think it's actually really really good in there. So that 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 alone put this would put this guy into a, just so many fantastic lists right now. Yeah, it, like I said, it's it's certainly not the most balanced card. But I I was really impressed by the by the, by the single special action about yeah how how it how it invades the 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 meta about take initiative and, and negation it doesn't really solve anything it's it's just a another tool in this in this in this box but 
And I hope Lucius realizes I, 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 you know, I criticize because I love. I, it's, you know, <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't think it was a great idea, I wouldn't go after it. It's not. It's not that this card is going to hit the table anytime soon. So, I, but it's really, it's really nice to talk about it, right? So. No, I think that's Thrawn, and I'm a recent convert to Thrawn. <clears throat> Currently re- reading the Hair of the Empire for the very first time, but I definitely think he should be a spy. But I also think that that is a trait that. Um, I mean, it's no secret I want more spies in the game, but I also think it should be offset uh, a bit by other things. Um, uh, so I wouldn't mind if he had fewer uh, special actions and uh, maybe things were shuffled around a little bit. Um, I really appreciate that he made a stab at one of the uh, sort of iconic uh, extended universe figures. Um, I think I've mentioned it earlier, but one thing I've always would like to have seen on a Thrawn card, but I hope we get an official one because I think we will if uh, Imperial Assault just uh, keeps grinding through all the content as it does. Um, one thing I've always wanted to see when I started hearing about Thrawn like a year ago or so um, would be some sort of ability akin to Provoke. Now, that is, I think, one of the most undervalued cards in the game. Um, I think maybe it could have more use now with the riot troopers and whatnot. What um, do you mean with provoke? It's like a taunt where yeah, you force provoke, the opponent to attack a figure. Pro- provoke of basically with provoke you play it at the end of one of your activations, and then you point at an opponent's deployment card, um, and it has to activate next, next oh, if okay, able. Okay. Um, it, that deployment card has to have a figure next to one of your troopers or guardians, but it doesn't need to have to be the ones you just activated. I've played it uh, some years ago and loved it, and it was really fun. It shouldn't necessarily be the same, but I could see... I'm sorry, isn't it the group that you do provoke has to go? Yeah, it is. They have to go next. If... So yeah, it's it's the one that you're next. You, can, you can't choose any of their deployment cards. It has to be one yeah, you've yeah, got. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know that it should be identical at all, but I think something along the lines where you determine what your opponent can activate next. And I think that is a very powerful ability, so maybe you couldn't afford all the other jazz he already has. But I think that is um, that's something I think would be very as, befitting. As a Thrawn fan, I think I think momentum shifting, which is in that initiative card and in Provoke as well, is entirely in character. Uh, I disagree with you on Spy, just because he's smart. Not everybody who's smart just immediately gets to be a spy. But um, I do think that being able to change the pace of the battle, to be able to sort of uh, see where it's going and... and I think the reason Provoke is such an interesting card is I always look at it, never include it, because I never think that I'm going to be smart enough in the moment to really know how to use it well, whereas any any Muggins can use Assassinate and figure it out. But uh, I, I see what you're saying with Provoke, and I think that's another great great suggestion for better and more exciting play. Maybe what, what we should think about is like a, some sort of inverse Provoke, where you point at a card that cannot activate next. That would also be good. I, I so mean, you, I have... it's it's much it's much weaker then, of course, because you're not forcing your opponent to take a, a specific decision, but just limiting his options. One way or another, something that screws your opponent's activation, and in a sense, that's what I see his current art of war does, except it hits the all tried formula with the dependency on who has initiative and the take initiative back and forth yeah. and so on. But something that one way or another limits your opponent's choice of what he activates next, I think, would be very thrawny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's all. That's all, of course. Uh, uh, wishful thinking, since we don't have any announcement for Tron, or don't even know when he's gonna come or if he's gonna come. So, 
Briefly, I don't want to take long on this. I've always, I've always wondered. And I don't know if this is a passy question, but it's just my interest. Is um, when you're a company and you've got a lot of lawyers, um, if somebody's put a really good idea out online, are you ever concerned? Well, now if we use that idea, we're going to have to find this guy and pay him. I know that's sort of true for music and artistry. You know, some people have to sort of really avoid the internet because they have to have proof they never saw an idea. Because the last thing you want to see, I'm sure, I'm sure, Lucius would be happy as anything if this idea ended up in the game. But uh, I always wonder if game companies have to be really careful about not there, uh, making it look like they picked. There up. is a case right now in sort of board game mania thing where uh, there was a company who had a Kickstarter, which they I think they dropped it and shelved it. And they made it public that they were retaining all the rights for it, and then they basically put out the game with a different theme. And it, and it's just this week I think, made quite of a Twitter meltdown between the company and that designer, which were I think actually all comrades in arms in terms of publishing things. Um, but it also led to a discussion of what you're asking about in a sense or, or roundabout way, in that um, there aren't very clear rules on board game design trademarks and I think it's generally considered a wonder especially with the way the business is growing these years that there aren't more of those things happening um, and um, I think if you did like a one by one I don't know what they'd had to do I think it's to a large extent and also because it's different from country to country and he's in Italy which and they're in the US which makes it even more uh, complicated um, and on a related note, right, not right now, it's now been running for three years, but um, so one of the most successful dungeon crawlers, which got me into both board gamings and role-playing games, uh, HeroQuest, um, was put on Kickstarter for an anniversary edition a couple of years back by a Spanish company, and they were taken off Kickstarter because there were legal issues. And then they went on another crowdfunder. It was taken down because there were legal issues. And finally, they successfully uh, crowdfunded it on a Spanish site, claiming that they had the rights through some uh, different elements. It's looking more and more like a sham because no one has gotten their games three or four years in. But the, the, that's also been sort of have had the same discussion about trademarks um, and what you can, can copy. So I think it's very complicated in legal terms and not completely clear, especially when people are in different countries. But even when they're in the same country, it's difficult to ascertain. So I think at the end of the day, it would be a matter of, of um, ethics rather than uh, legality. And um, yeah, I... I don't know if, if, if FFD would dare just photocopy more or less this idea without giving him some sort of uh, acknowledgement, uh, monetary or otherwise. No, I think Good news for you then. We're, we've boosted the signal for your idea then, Lucius. So get your lawyers ready. There's certainly... Um, I, I know that... Uh, I'm, I'm going to, to barge in with LTR, LCG again, but there was a similar, um, similar thing happening there where one of the one of the community designers or one of the um, guys from the community were designing a a quest for the game that had that featured a defense, some sort of defense where you had to defend um, structures, and it was represented by damaging the structures. And this was quite a new concept because this this, this doesn't happen in the normal rules of the game. And this was actually then uh, used for a a later development. But I think this. Uh, the the guy who who wrote this quest ultimately ended up working at FFG and working on the game. So I'm not sure if they just said. I mean, he he did some other quests that were, were very good before he was hired. So 
uh, maybe that played into the decision too. But so that, that's certainly a way where you can avoid this problem if someone from the community is putting out consistently high quality stuff uh, for your game. Then just good advertising. Ju just yeah. not not only good advertising. Just bring yeah. him on the team and uh, have him work on your game because it's ob well, obviously right. a good idea. Good advertising for you. Good, good good advertising for you if you're an individual who wants to get out there. I guess you know the fan the fan art is a great way to show that you've got good ideas that should make yes. it to the board. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think in many ways it's um, a little bit less muddy when we are talking IP and FFT was definitely a bit cheeky when they pushed out Imperial Assault. We know the whole Hasbro thing we've talked about at length before. But there's also right now I think a lot of curiosity what's going to happen, what's going to be the fate of those games that were speaking of, of uh, Hero Quiz, which was, was an old Games Workshop game, um, but curiosity what's going to happen with the games that were sort of a shared thing between Games Workshop and Fantasy Flight. So some of them are now being republished by WizKids through new license with Games Workshop. But the question is, for instance, a game like Forbidden Stars that was very popular, very promising, but set in the Warhammer 40k universe. I think a lot of people have been hoping that maybe FFD would find a way to use that mechanic plastered on a theme that they do have the IP rights for. Yeah, there are three things uh, that you need to cover. Uh, one is uh, trademark, one is copyright, and one is uh, patents. And uh, yeah. you can't copyright uh, game rules. You can only copyright uh, the sort of uh, uh, layout and graphics of it. But uh, of course, people frown upon if you just uh, steal uh, game mechanisms from one game without uh, putting your own work in. Uh, Pazi, uh, sorry to interrupt there. Do you know if there's any if there are any cases of patented game mechanics, which is sort of a I I think that this would be in the same vein of software patents that should be pretty pretty identical. I think from a legal standpoint, do we know if this has already happened or I I, I know yeah yeah there are I think but uh, I don't remember the exact details. Uh, wasn't wasn't the tapping. But it's, tapping, but it's not the norm. Like because calling, in... calling it tapping was uh, patented, I think. Oh, yes. They, uh, everybody had to have a different word for turning a card yeah. 90 degrees. Okay, yeah. Okay, so... Oh, this is a very educational edition of Board Wars this week, so everybody hope to get your pen and paper. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, so, so... to the question... Uh, yeah. Or the question in the air, uh, I think uh, it's... Uh, uh, Exactly. Uh, seeing uh, uh, seeing fan-made uh, stuff is one reason why uh, the FFG employees don't uh, visit the forums. Uh, oh, okay. So it's to shield yourself from potential legal ramifications. If you see something, then it might have been copied. But if you don't actually see it, there is no way you could have copied it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's not it's a bit it's of not a bummer, but, proof, but at least yeah. Uh, yeah. you don't get uh, direct uh, input. Of course, you can get ideas yeah. uh, for your own development, but uh, anyway, mm -hmm. it's better to not know. But I, I suppose, of course, there's a, a feedback loop through the uh, playtesting, which is not quite the same, but still. Well, it's not the same because uh, well. Uh, Playtesters have NDAs, so that covers, yeah, that covers yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. without going into more details. 
Okay, so uh, enough for your education today. Uh, let's get into the good stuff. So, uh, game discussion this week will be... Um, I actually wanted to talk about the, the third mission of the, the app campaign, but since my voice will give out uh, sooner rather than later, I fear, uh, we will only going to finish up our discussion on Heart of the Empire, which has we still have to talk about some upgrade cards and some agenda cards and whatnot we missed before. So what's what happened with the, the font there? Okay, so uh, let's start. Uh, we still missing. Uh, we still haven't talked about all of the the rebel upgrade cards from uh, Heart of the Empire. So we're gonna do that now, starting with tier one. We have a lovely card called Charged Ammo Pack for 100 credits. It's a ranged attachment uh, with the modification ammunition uh, trait, and it only says Surge gain plus one damage power token. But this is pretty basic, and I think it's if you so. My my thought about this is that uh, in a normal campaign. There's no reason to buy this because the, the effect isn't that good. And even if it's only costing you 100, you only get back 50 if you eventually sell it because you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna slap this through all of your campaigns. So, um, you're gonna sell it. So it's, it's a basically, it's a 50 credit investment into an effect that isn't that impactful, I feel. So, especially if you have, or if you already have uh, heroes that can distribute power tokens, you might even run into the, the dreaded uh, thing where you have too many power tokens on a figure and can't even use this. So, well, I'm... I I actually would beg to differ because the best at distributing power tokens is Kotun, and if you have Kotun, you're basically getting a uh, Joker power token, and you have much more uses for it. So, if you have excess That's surges true, with yeah. your weapon, I think it's good to hold on to it. I I don't know. I, I disagree. I think I think early in the game, you know. The people, the the the, the characters who are oversurging, are hating oversurging because they're not doing enough damage. So yes, you get this, and uh, uh, there's a really interesting pacing thing here. You know, maybe you're going to do one attack against a weaker figure, gain the token used against the bigger figure. I do like that, um, but I still think that you'd be digging for anything that would give you a surge that, for you know, some more damage appears to actually make a difference. So I think it's, uh, I agree, it's certainly priced aggressively, as they say, but might be a nice second attachment on a two-upgrade weapon. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure this is something you want to have in the late stages of the campaign, so... Well, I think yeah. if, if you don't have anything uh, valuable to use the 50 credits for, and if you have... Ex sure. At least, for instance, my current campaign, uh, we're in a situation where we ended up with basically having an option on upgrading a weapon, but we didn't really have any attachments, or you upgrade a weapon and then you don't have attachments. So I think you can end up in a situation, even in the end game, where you haven't been able to pick up enough other modifications to fill out the modification slots and then this is still uh, fairly useful especially if you have excess surges or you have a cotone where you can you can do things with the tokens yeah for example uh, uh, uh starter weapon is uh, two green dice so and uh, she usually goes for dl44 and uh, you get a lot of uh, excess surges and uh, she may make uh, three attacks per round, so it it uh, all uh, builds up. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. I 
I know what you mean with the with her starting weapon. You have not enough searches or not enough ways to spend searches, but you're not only getting two at most. And you want to recover strain with her anyway. And one of them you can always use for the plus one damage. So I'm I'm not fully convinced that this is a good idea, even for Jin. So <coughs> but, I'm sorry. Bear in mind, if, for instance, in my current campaign, where we have Kotun, and we'll talk a bit about that and place experiences later. Yeah, I know. You, we can, have, you can swap but, it out. That's, that's true. Basically, yeah, we have a figure that has always got a use for a surge and then always spends uh, the power token, regardless of what it is, for a surge, and if you come up with an excess surge, you just basically take it back, and you're good to go and carry on. And if you don't, then you didn't lack surges either. Yeah. Uh... I, I, I'm speaking in favor of this, just to be clear. There's a ton of other uh, things I would prefer in front of it, Yes. but if you have yeah. it and you have a spare slot, I can see a use of it right until the moment where you can desperately need the 50 credits, or not desperately, but you need the 50 credits, or if you don't, then you can you can carry it on into the end game if you have something like Kotun or similar that can play around with the tokens. Yeah. Uh, that's. I wasn't saying that there's no no real use for it. I was just saying that it's, I was. it's not, not really... <laughs> You would okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm not. I'll, you kill, kill me the charge general pack. Yeah, uh, blaster. Yeah. Okay. I see, I see so, Alistair, um, uh, why don't you read the next card? Well, from you know, charge demo pack. Worst use of the word charge in this set. Best use of the word charge in this set comes in the charge pistol. Huh? See what I did there? Yeah. It's called a segue, guys. This is how we professionalize. <laughs> uh, it's a blaster pistol. Costs 350 credits. Uh, the attack is the gin attack. Two greens. Uh, it's got a base plus one accuracy. And two surges, one for plus one damage and one to gain a damage token. Uh, but even better than that, you know, but wait, there's more. You've got two upgrade slots on this bad boy. I think it's a steal. I mean, the price is, uh, is up there, but it's still, I think it's a good tier one pistol for many characters. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you don't mind getting a bit close to be certain to hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You have a base range of three, so that's not that close. Many, many T1 uh, weapons or rifles even have a green and a blue without a built-in accuracy, which is basically the same range. So it's, it's the not... same. It's the same mid medium range. So sorry, it's the main, no, same minimum, but not the, the same minimum. Medium. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's yeah. most of the time. I mean, at least my players are working with minimum range most of the time because my uh, in campaign. The distances aren't that great usually, so it's. I think it's a. It's it's okay. Free range is certainly most of what you need, uh, in especially in early games. So. Is this the first uh, tier one uh, weapon that you are uh, willing to buy? That's. I, is it? Is it? I, I don't know. It might be. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's a good because one. Because usually from tier it's, one it's you bit... just uh, buy. Uh, Modifications <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe maybe some I know, armor. I know, I know, but I can see some I can see some uh, characters putting this to good use. Like uh, maybe even uh, let's say uh, MHD or like we said, Jin. They are both they're yeah. both good targets for this. It's it's expensive, obviously, but if you get it in that latter half of the. 
uh, times you're getting uh, one or even what I think is nice about this is this will even last or be viable as a purchase when you've got the the one and two set um, as rewards. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you can make the decision entirely based on what upgrades you've you've seen. I mean, again. Not to not to throw more mud at the charge demo pack, but this already has the charge demo pack ability, so you don't need that. But every other uh, upgrade, whether it be accuracy, reroll, anything else like that, is going to make this uh, you know feel really good for a tier one. I I had it in the current campaign on Ona. I didn't get to shoot much with it, um, but um, it was a decent enough upgrade from a starting weapon to make it worthwhile for a bit. And okay, uh, there are good weapons in tier one. There are hand cannon and DL44 and E. E11, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think agree. that's uh, quite good uh, for the price. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, you wanna he read the last card? Responsive armor, and it's two health. And while attacking, you gain surge, gain one block or one evade power token. Yeah. Two fifty. Uh, it's good. I don't know what you guys think think about it. Yeah, it, it it's okay. Yeah, I think that uh, again the the like like we just discussed in the, in the first charge ammo pack. I found that I, I really don't have spare surges um, for a long time in the game. So um, you know, if you're still wearing this late in the game, two health is pretty decent. I'd say it's pretty. It's 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 you know, it's, sometimes it's gonna be good and sometimes it's bad. It's one of those really Goldilocks middle you know, items for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's again with like with the charged uh, ammo pack, certainly not my first choice. But I think it's still better than the or or at least on a higher scale than the charged ammo pack. The two the two health can be quite critical in the early stages of the campaign because it can mean the difference between being wounded or not, mo like like a lot of times. And the the search is just a bonus that it's okay. So I I see I would I would actually be be fine with it not having the surge and still costing the same. It would certainly be a, a, a weak card, but it's still a card I, I would spend money on because in tier one you only have the what's it called the the other the, from the corset the other armor where you have like the where you can combat convert code? this or, yeah. yeah it's combo code yeah where you can convert a, a an evade to a block. And I think it's plus one health. Plus two, but it's 500 credits. Okay, it's much more expensive, right? So, <coughs> so um, I'd say it's it's up there. It's, it's okay. So, it's a good card. So, going on to tier two. Pasi, do you want to uh, I will, I will focus on this next focus? card. You will focus on the next yeah, card, yes. This is a focusing beam. <laughs> it's a, a modification to a melee weapon. Uh, 250 credits modification sites exhaust this card while attacking to apply PS1 to the attack results and then uh, another ability one strain exhaust this card while attacking to apply minus one dodge to the defense results yeah both uh, it seems a bit strong both to effects me are good, but uh, very unfortunate for the yeah. imperial player yeah yeah it's it's in tier two and it's two hundred fifty credits for it and an auto for a PS one, that's pretty good, even though you get I, I it only love, for I, one attack. But you know I'm a sucker for the uh, for the the lore and the flavor text, but I just love that it's sights. 
It's literally sights yeah. on a sword. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I I uh, uh I saw somewhere some Star Wars art within the last couple of weeks or so where I thought, hey, that's that's the focusing beam. I don't remember. It couldn't have been Rebels. I don't know what it was, but I was thinking that's actually the focusing beam. It's weird, but it was on a, some sort of melee weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Well worth the money. Uh, you will you'll get this if you see it. I mean, it, arguably tier two is the ones you're going to see the most often. But I think that um, you know, you're even late game. You're just going to be like, great. I now can afford to spend this just to have that dodge denial when I need it. Depending if your opponent's playing Nemesis, or you know you're going to be seeing it. Yeah, we just slapped it on our Davith after our penultimate mission this uh, week in in Bespin, and uh, it's just a nice insurance to have. Okay. Certainly makes you feel more comfortable going after those officers that are everywhere always. Uh, okay, so uh, going on to the next card, which is the Hunter's Rifle. It is a blaster rifle. It is a ranged attack with two green dice, and it has an automatic plus two accuracy. Search for plus one damage, a search for pierce two, and while attacking with this weapon, if the target is defeated, you gain one, one damage power token. It has one upgrade slot, and it costs 600 credits. I'm not sure about this. This is pretty expensive, right? It, it looks so bad compared to the, the weapon in the set one. Yes, yes. In the I, same pool. I, I, I mean, appears Pierce 2 is cool, and the power token, but it, I feel that the damage output for the output for, from this when you first buy it isn't high enough that you're gaining the, the damage power token often enough that it might make that much of a difference. And in late game, again, the damage output isn't high enough, so you're not going to kill that much. So, I... Is this overcosted? You're going to buy it? I don't think I'd like it at four. Yeah. Even 400 seems like pretty, yeah. pretty much for this, right? The only good thing is the range, but... And the good I mean, thing is uh, two green. Yeah. yeah, do no damage at maximum range. Wonderful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pazzi, you, you were going to say? Uh, the good point is also uh, two green dice. It's uh, quite consistent. Yeah, okay. It's just two dice, though, so... <laughs> I mean, it's tier two, so not, gonna, not, not that many free dice weapons in tier two, but... Still, uh, the surges. I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. Okay, come on. Uh, who's, whose turn is it? Yeah, Yepe. Uh, I, I think Yepe. Go, go ahead. Yepe. Yepe, go ahead. Next card. Low tech options remain frightfully potent. So if you don't want the hunter's <laughs> rival, you can pick up the polearm. And if you're in doubt, this one had room for a little bit of a singer to it. It's a blade. Slash staff. It's melee, two red dice. It comes with reach, a search for pierce one, a search for cleave two, and a room for one modification. I think it's amongst the uh, decent uh, melee weapons. I could see it do well either with a uh, balanced hilt if you want the cleave, or you could, uh, if you want more damage output, you could go with the one where you have less surges and uh, two extra damage. What's it called? Vipro generator. Did yeah, if you don't mind the cleave, that would be an option, yeah. Yeah, and I think you forgot the, its price for 650 credits. Ah, what's the price? What's credits among friends? Yeah, what's, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, this is better than the Hunter's Rifle. And I think if you can get a reroll somehow, mm-hmm. and this is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't believe it doesn't look like the Gamorrean Axe. I mean, it really is the Gamorrean Axe, which is what I love. But uh, yeah. fair enough. It's very, very similar to how the Gamorreans attack, really. We just yeah. talked about the hand cannon before, which is two red dice. Which we're we're going into the final mission uh, in a couple of days with the hand cannon still on our Vento, uh, and uh, he has bunch of red re- bunch of rerolls with the red dice, which is uh, is great and uh, makes it viable all the way into tier three or not tier three, but end of a campaign if you don't have the money anyway. Yep. So. This is better than the Hunter's Rifles, for sure. Double Red is good, especially if you have yeah. rerolls. <laughs> yeah. And especially if you're Shyla, I think. Okay, um, Alistair, you want to snipe the next card? Ba-da-boom. Let's do it. So, the A12 Sniper Rifle, uh, for a eye-watering 1150 credits, you get a blaster rifle with a three-die attack, two blue, and a yellow, so you're hitting from downtown. You have four search abilities. Surge for plus two damage. Surge for pierce two. Surge to gain a surge token. And surge to apply minus one dodge to the defense results. This is worth its incredible price tag. Uh, It's gonna... Oh, I think so. I, again, oh, sorry, I missed. I missed a very, very important thing, which you know I like to mention. It has got two upgrade slots. Yes, and yes. So it's a late, late game double upgrade slot. It, it's yeah. going to be made. You're only going to buy it if you've got something to really push it over the top, and it's going to be painful for your uh, imperial opponent. I think. Yeah, I mean the uh, plus two damage and uh, pierce two, and the <laughs> that, that's that's certainly pretty good. The missions where Vader shows up, he's suddenly going, "Hey, hey, hey! On who's got the sniper rifle?" Yeah, yeah and yeah. if you have extra ammunition, I... this is this is very very good. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I you could I mean, it's pricey. I mean, it, it even have enough search abilities that you might want tactical display on it, despite already rolling three dice. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's pricey, but yeah, unless they might be right, it's, this might be worth it. Even though it's blue, blue, yellow, which on the face of it, ugh, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. <coughs> okay, so um, pick this up if you if you come across it. Just try it out. I yeah, think it, it should think be so. good. Uh, next card, uh, Pazi. Uh, power charger. As a sorry, it More doesn't chargers. take any modification slots for any weapon. Uh, while attacking, gain hmm. uh, search ability, gain one. Uh, damage power token or one search power token, and then exhaust this card when you spend a power uh, a damage power token or search power token to apply plus two of the symbol on that token to the results instead of one, and that's four hundred credits. Yeah, of course, Kotun really likes this, right? Or anyone so, near? As does all his her friends. Yeah, yeah, of course. If you're running Kotun, anyone can use this to great effect. I was yeah. so sad that we didn't do it at our last upgrade stage, but I'm also, in a sense, relieved because I think we would uh, <laughs> roll over the Empire otherwise. Yeah, it's pretty good. For 400, that's that's very nice. I mean, if you don't have that many ways to gain power tokens, it might not be that good, but otherwise, just go take it if you have... If you have Kotun or if you have weapons that give you consistent access to 
um, power tokens like the, the sniper rifle we talked just a moment ago, then yeah, go take it. It's pretty good. Okay, last card in tier, <coughs> in tier 3, sorry. I'm actually not sure whose turn it is. I think it's mine. So I'm going to read it. Uh, last card is Supply Pack. Supply Pack. It's an accessory for 200 credits. At the start of each mission, you gain two wildcard power tokens, so you can just choose them. Deplete this card during your activation to recover two damage or discard one harmful condition. And I think I mentioned it, but it's just 200 credits in tier 3. So this is very, very good to fill out your, your kit uh, at the late stages of the campaign. This is, I, I think this is great. This is, there's no way yeah, you're not going to take this if you can afford it. It's, it's out, well, again, but if you, if you can afford it, it's outrageously cheap at 200, says I. Yeah, it's very cheap. And I think in tier, tier 3, uh, you will try to make room for this. If you cannot afford it by like 50 credits, you will try to sell something to, to, be, to be able to afford it because it really is this good. Uh, especially yeah. if you have other, if you have weapons that synergize well with the power tokens, or if you have characters that synergize well with uh, uh, what you call the the defensive power tokens, and of course discarding harmful conditions for no reason at all or for no uh, uh, action or anything else you need to to invest. Very good, also to recover. Basically, an it's an emergency injector that costs you fifty more but does more. Yes. It's very good. Okay. And I think the emergency injector is one of the best, cheapest uh, sort of value for credit upgrades in the game. Okay, so uh, this was all of the rebel upgrade cards, and actually, I wanted—at least I have it listed here. We wanna go. We would be talking about the reward cards, but since they are so heavily tied to the to the actual story of Heart of the Empire. Mm. And the, without the context, it really doesn't make any sense. I think we're going to skip this. So not talk about the reward cards. Uh, there's there's little way for you to actually direct which cards you're going to get from this pool anyway. And some of them are so good. Yeah, some of them are really, really nice. But like like I said, they are all or virtually all sequestered to the uh, Heart of the Empire campaign. So uh, you're not going to see them too much. I, I think there are two of are they all from the from the story missions, or is it some of them are from the side missions too? Of course, there are heroes. I think the that uh, give yeah, heroes. there's some of them from some of them are from the hero missions, but yeah, you need to play the heroes, so you're gonna see them anyway. So yeah, I, I think we're not gonna talk about them. It's it's just no no real need to. Which brings us to uh, another set of cards we didn't talk about: the agenda cards from the box. Um, with it, the first set is called Field Commander. And then I'm going to start with the uh, first card from the set, which is Assault Coordination. Keep this card secret, praying during any mission during a leader's activation. During this activation, that leader gains special action, choose up to three figures within line of sight. Each of those figures gains one damage power token. Then either discard this card or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. One influence. I, I'm, I if you if you have leaders other than officers, then maybe. But otherwise, I wouldn't take this. It's not too good. But let's uh, let's 
uh, keep going uh, from to see this the whole of this set, and maybe then we'll re revisit this card when we know um, what's it included with. So yeah, but you wanna go with the second card? Reinforcements on route. A good leader is never too proud to win to call for backup. One influence, keep this card secret, played during any mission during an Imperial activation to place this card on a leader deployment card. At the start of each status phase, increase threat by one. Discard this card when this group is defeated or the mission ends. Yeah, and I, I also have some thoughts about this, but um, Alistair, you want to go over the third card? Yeah, so unyielding dedication to influence. Uh, your leadership must be protected at all costs. Keep this card secret. Play it during any mission when an attack is declared targeting a leader. Choose a friendly figure within three spaces of the defender. The, choos the chosen figure may interrupt to move up to three spaces to a space adjacent to the defender. Then if the defender has line of sight to the chosen figure, that figure becomes the target of the attack. Then either discard this card and sh or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. This reminds me of how I lost my first regional this year. And it's uh, really chewy and it, getting in the way of my shot with his slippery target. Yeah, and it's of course too influence, so it's pretty pricey. It is. Uh, for me, this set screams nemesis. For me, uh, it screams inspiring leadership. Yeah, sure, but I don't like inspiring leadership at all. So, I, I, I'd say if you have a nemesis, and if the nemesis somehow or some one of your nemesis has a leader trait, or if you gonna like in return to I uh, like in the heart of the empire if you're expecting to see vader or emperor palpatine a lot both are leaders i think or maybe vader isn't but palpatine is of course a leader so if that's in your in your uh organically in your campaign then this might be okay but like i said before it i wouldn't i wouldn't try to make this work with just regular offices this is just not in the cards i think inspiring leadership <laughs> yes i i need to revisit this, this deck i still i still am not entirely for it but we will it, see maybe it can do good. incredible things it was one that i underevaluated, but on closer inspection it can do crazy things um i just want to add that i think all three cards are useful and uh, i think they're decently priced so I think this is this is a nice thing for a deck that there isn't that one card you really don't want or that's too over-costed. Also note for the Assault Coordination card that uh, a figure is also in line of sight of itself, I think. Because you can draw line uh, of sight to your own yeah. space. So you can choose yourself oh, as one of oh, the Oh yeah, you can, you can give it yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can give it yourself. Uh, I mean... Why I said I really like this for Terra, for the reason that uh, he's a leader and he can use all of these things pretty good uh, because he doesn't need the special action because he gets bonus movement points anyway and he can still attack and uh, um, attach to him the, the second card of the threat increase is gonna give you more threats than usual and the last card of course is good to help him stay alive during crucial times. So I I can see this in, in both the new big box campaigns, like Java's Realm and Return to Hearth. And of course, if you have Nemesis, then it's pretty much good to include. Like, But there are, there are better, I think overall, there are better effects that are more versatile and, and have a broader, broader application to more, uh, to more decks. 
but still, if you can make it work, then it's certainly pretty, pretty, pretty nice to watch. To watch, I think. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next set is called uh, Security Protocols, and Pasi, why don't you give us the the, the rundown on the the gear? Uh, one influence: heavy riot gear. In the midst of an uprising, keeping your forces alive is something sometimes more favorable than winning the battle. Keep this card secret, play it at the start of a round and choose up to three Imperial figures. Each chosen figure gains one block power token. Then discard this card or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. So this is sort of a copy of the um, shield, shielded um, ability of the riot troopers. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, since we, I think we should go the other two cards too, so, uh, yep, the next card. Shields online. These shields will not stop heavy, slow-moving objects, but they are perfect for impending blaster bolts. Two influence, keep this card secret, played during any mission at the start of an activation to place one energy shield in each of two different spaces. A figure can attack these energy shields, health is threat level, defense is one block, then either discard this card or shuffle it back into your agenda deck. This is too costly for for its situational use, but let's see that I have the last card and then we'll talk about it. I think the shields uh, online card is the, the most interesting from this pack. So, uh, Alistair, last card. Surveillance cams. Target acquired. Locking scanners. Pursuit in progress. Doi, Keep this card doi, secret. Doi. Uh, place it in your play area at the start of any mission and choose a hero. The attacks targeting the hero, chosen hero gain plus two accuracy. Exhaust this card before you declare an attack targeting the chosen hero. Figures do not blind, block line of sight for this attack. Discard this card when the chosen hero is wounded or the mission ends. And that's for one influence. Okay, so uh, my my thought is that the Highway Riot gear and surveillance camps are pretty decent and synergized with a lot of other stuff you already might have. And Shields Online is so, so situational that I'm not sure I'm going to even buy it at all if it comes up. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I, I think that, you know, uh, without spoiling about the Heart of the Empire, I don't think Shield tokens were, they were were used significantly. But the, it, it, it's still, I look at a card like this and go, I don't think I know how to use or position Shield tokens well enough to take advantage of it. And when somebody looks at a card like that, they're just going to go, oh, that's expensive for something I don't quite know if I'll use it wrong. Um, maybe if there was a lot more shield token use, maybe if shield tokens were in skirmish, everybody was getting much better with them. You'd look at this and go, "No, I could do amazing things with two shield tokens, create a perfect, you know, block." But yes, it's 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 right now. I just say I don't think I'm good with shield tokens. I I agree that it's very much about the situation, but I think the devil in the detail here is that that it's the start of an activation, so it could be a rebel activation. So the moment they activate someone who's dependent on line of sight or range shot that could take out some of your figures from where they are with several attacks. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the situation. And if you can identify those and play them at the right time, I think it's well worth the two points. Um, but yeah, it's, the tricky part is how to do that. But um, I, I, I'm actually a little bit more in doubt about the th third one of the three. The... Accuracy and line of sight. I yeah, I I think that is yeah, the, the, good. It's just um, um, because it, you have to do it at the start of a mission again. It it it, yes. it might not become 
something that makes a, di- a, di- a difference. Yeah. If you have, if the if the rebels have stacked like uh, enough stuff on one hero that he he, can, he becomes very hard to wound, this can help you out, and it's just one influence. So. Yeah, I don't think it's bad either. I'm just saying I would be more in doubt about when to use it than the than the yeah. shields one. Yeah. That's a good point about the activation. I, I, that that actually maybe explains the two two a bit better than I was realizing. Yeah, because you can be listening to them strategizing, even or you can see what's on hand, and the moment they activate the the well, range you don't, guy. Leave the, you don't leave the room. Yeah, but you don't leave the room when the uh, rebels are talking. That's very <laughs> unpleasant of you. In well, my playgroup, the rebels leave. The you, room. <laughs> I, I am a rebel currently. So, yeah. Okay, so both agenda decks. I think both agenda decks are okay. They're nothing too special, but they are certainly solid and might be finding the, the, the way into my decks. Unlike, I, I think we talked about Java's Realm and these agenda decks in Java's Realm, I think they were pretty abysmal and I, I haven't looked at them since. Maybe, maybe I'm missing some synergy with new, with new stuff we got, but this Heart of the Empire agenda sets certainly look much stronger than what we, what we've seen from Java's Realm. So. Yeah, certainly very good. I, I think one of the most uh, time-consuming things when you start a new campaign can p- be to pick the agenda decks. I tend to try to find a balance between what's thematic and what's strong, and depending on what group I play against, whether I want to use something that I used before or how strong I want to make it. Um, but what I find is that often you end up with, at least the way I do it, I basically sort things, and then I end up with maybe ten to fifteen decks that I then call further down to the to the limit and often when I'm sitting looking at the last couple of decks what becomes the defining thing whether I choose a deck or not when I have to cut off uh, some of them is that a lot of decks just have this one card that's terribly useless or terribly overcosted and then it's sort of how much do I want the one or two other cards in that deck I think with these I think all six of them are are useful and that speaks in favor of them um, which I think is good yeah so it's certainly thumbs up on this part. All right. So this were the the agenda decks in the Heart of the Empire uh, uh, campaign box, and we still need to talk about the agenda decks included with Emperor Palpatine and Maul. And we'll start with uh, Palpatine, of course. His agenda deck is called For the Emperor. No, sorry, the Emperor's Plots is it's called. And the first card in the set is called For the Emperor. Uh, it reads, keep this card secret, play it during any mission when you deploy a Guardian tr- group to reduce that group's deployment cost by two, then discard this card. And since the Riot Troopers are Guardians, this is great. I mean, they are cheap to begin with for the, the, the amount of health they bring. Uh, and with this, they are even cheaper, so this is good. And I, I think the regular um, Royal Guards are still very viable in campaign play, especially if you also have to protect something like the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yes. They're still, even with the discount, they are 6 for for 16 health, I think. So, uh, yeah, 6 for 16 health, which is okay. But if you can get um, uh, Riot Troopers, the regular Riot Troopers for free, you get 10 health for free. And the block power token. So, I mean, yeah. you, you lose the you lose the protector ability, 
But I, I do think the riot, I've said, I may have said this before here that the generic riot troopers are really, really yes. difficult for the uh, the rebels. Uh, it's it's sort of like I, how would you ever not put them in an open group for any campaign you play at any time anymore? Yeah, and then you add this, it's just like and since since this is only one influence, since this is only one one influence, you can use it like from the start of the campaign. So like in the second campaign mission, usually you have one influence. You can buy this card, plop down riot troopers for very cheap. And have the, the 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 rebels a very very tough riddle to figure out how to get rid of them. So okay, so the, the next card would actually be uh, the, uh, the Emperor's side mission, but we're not gonna uh, look at that. So uh, the third card is uh, yeah, but you wanna read it? Isolation. Friendship can be a powerful ally of those who resist the Empire. Isolation is a key weapon against it. One influence. Keep this card secret. Place it in your play area at the start of a round during any mission. When this card comes into play, each hero suffers one strain if he's not within two spaces of another rebel figure. At the end of the round, each hero suffers one strain if he's not within two spaces of another rebel figure. At the end of the round, either discard this card or shuffle it back into your gender deck. Yeah, that's pretty weak effect. Since it can... Most of it can be counted by the rebels. And if the rebels, if the rebels have a Kotun or a MSD, then it's very improbable that none of them are further than two spaces away. Yes, yes, yes. So uh... I could see in a crunch time with certain rebels, and also, for instance, if you were mean enough to play uh, subversive tactics or similar, and again, if MHD or Kotun or similar are not there, and it could just lock down some other vital abilities at the right time in the end game of a mission, but it's yeah. touch and go. Yeah. So it's certainly, uh, I think the uh, 40 Emperor card is much better than this, and I'm going to hope to draw this instead of isolation. Uh, so, uh, this was the Emperor's agenda deck. I think it's pretty okay. It's nothing too special outside of like for the emperor, which is uh, cost reduction is always good. So if you can stack that, that's basically a, a very good effect for you. Uh, but the other card is not that decent, I think. So going over to Maul, um, Alastair, you wanna read the first card of Maul? Sure. So critical strikes, one influence. A Sith learns to dismantle enemies with both subtlety and pure aggression which is just a lovely fire and ice. Yeah. Keep this card secret. Play it during any mission while an Imperial figure is attacking. During this attack, if an effect would apply Pierce X to the attack results, apply plus X damage to the attack results instead. Then, either discard this card or shuffle it back into your gent deck. White dice, beware. And you get to see if there's any X-Men in the room before you apply it. Yeah. Yes. And if you have Maul, it's... Pierce three for plus three damage, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, the, the term critical hit comes to mind for a good yes. reason, I think. Here, <laughs> and it's a it's perfectly named. It's I really like this card, and I think this is the one card I want to play sometime. For let it maybe maybe even with Vader, that's also very good. So I I really like this card. Nothing more to say. So Pazi, you want to read the second card from Maul? You mean the imminent, Actually, it's the third imminent card, reprisal? 
The emotion of wrath is a volatile motivator, but it is a weapon in the hands of one who can harness and control it. One influence. Keep this card secret, play it during any mission when you deploy a group with the melee attack type and place it on that group. Figures added group gain. After an attack targeting your resolves, gain one uh, search power token or one damage power token. Discard this card when the group is defeated or the mission ends. Again, this is very cool for the Riot Troopers. <coughs> but it's it's uh, um, only good in the uh, sort of uh, early campaign because uh, later on the rebels will certainly uh, defeat uh, defeat yeah, almost hit, anything. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but in later in the later campaign, if you can afford the the royal guards, they also love this to the, the search power token for for a stun or can the elite be very riot. very vital. Or the elite riots, the search power tokens for two damage. So I Maul himself, Maul himself, of course. So I also that's it's a very good card. So I, unlike the the emperor's set where one of the cards is good and the other one is not so good, I think both Maul cards are very very good and. With the tools you, or with the with the available figures you have, uh, let it be Gamorans, let it be Royal Troopers, let it be Royal Guards. There's enough ways for you to make these cards work and have them a very good, have them make a very good splash. So I like it. It's very good. Check it out. And if you're not playing Maul, I don't know what you're doing, but Maul is cool, especially in the campaign. <laughs> Uh, ain't no especially about it. Yeah, uh, I love I love Maul and good for you for painting him. But if I see him on the skirmish table, I'm uh, I'm happy, not sad. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm your, if I'm your opponent. Yeah. Okay, so this concludes our coverage for Heart of the Empire. It took us a few months, but I think we're finally through. <laughs> and uh, next week we'll or next episode we will be back with uh, Legends of the Alliance coverage. Uh, right now we will transition over to play experiences and this will be uh i think we will have something something other than me start because i uh need to cough and need to do some other things so uh nsd why don't you start us off with uh play experiences yeah well i think i last time i was here i got the chance to talk about my first regional experience but uh, i've since done two more and uh gosh lots to say because there's been lots of really good uh plays i alluded to earlier uh, people really uh, trying a bunch of different stuff and really enjoying it. Um, but I, I basically, on the advice of a good friend who, you know, as soon as he got the Heart of the Empire box, uh, pulled out the Riot Troopers, generic Riot Troopers, that these are good. And I was so Ranger-headed in my mind, I just said, no, right, these aren't too good. I'll, I'll kill them with my elite Rangers. The extra block will do nothing. I'll be able to take them off the board. You'll have wasted an activation, wasted a, a deployment. They aren't any good. I've now done two regionals with riots, and I—they're just—they're just delightful. They're just so much fun, um, and they fit extremely well in a lot of the any of the big hitting imperialists right now. So, at the regionals, uh, the first one I tried, I did uh, Palpatine, ATDP, Jets, and riots, and I found that very effective. The riots were generic; they they sort of ran and opened doors and helped step under the ATDP, so you could push Palpatine forward more. And uh, in the second regional, where I did, uh, again, top four uh, cut both times, I actually decided I, I you know, wanted to go home early, so I decided I'd try to play something really silly. And I ran double elite riots, both with Vader's Finest. 
Um, the idea there being, once again, backed up by officers and ATDP, that uh, they'll spend round one focusing up, ATDP will push them forward a bit, but then if I can get to the uh, stage of the game where, you know, you've got a three-dice roll coming in that's going to be doing extra strain and weaken um, all the brawl all the lovely brawler cards, and they've got a re-roll, and, you know, surge plus two, surge plus one, I thought, you know, this is going to be a real beast. Um, did very well with that list as well. Uh, the only thing uh, I honestly found I didn't like about it, and I have to apologize to a good friend of mine, uh, Pete Smith, who I had a game against that didn't go as well as I'd, um, I'd hope I won it. Um, but the reason being that um, never since Worlds last year have I ever felt time being a big pressure in a game. And uh, me playing a riot list where my first activation involved um, focusing up two sets of riot troops... I really needed the game to confirm the win to get to sort of round three, round four. So I found myself sort of knowing what I was going to do pretty early and then watching my opponent think and ending up feeling like I'd have to advise them early that I was going to have to push them a little bit on time because otherwise my list didn't work. Not that fun, I got to say, because you don't want... Nobody likes feeling pressured on time. It's very difficult to determine what the difference between slow play and too much time. Um, so... It's, it's a tricky one. I still really like it. Um, just from a list perspective, I think one uh, Riot Troopers of Vader's Finest is probably more than enough. But we do have that it's a three-round game a lot of the time problem. So if you spend your first time, like the old weak way thing, if you spend your first round uh, focusing up or not doing very much, your opponent, even with good wishes, could actually end up winning because they, they sit and think and uh, you don't actually get the chance to really get those brawlers into range and use them. Do you, do you, that was a bit long on my part, but then... Do yeah. you recall last year that uh, I was at the regionals and I played uh, two groups of troopers with uh, Vader's Finest? They, they were jet troopers, though, and I was struggling so hard for the same reasons that you're mentioning. And I had one game that only went to the second round, basically, then time oh, was called dear. before we were done. Um, and the weak hoys at least can move and they can also be pushed around by... Uh, by um, Gideon, of yep. course, but mainly, the, yeah, I really wanted the Vader's Finest to work, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult because, again, I don't think in the UK community, which is extremely friendly and extremely good, and um, you know, that you get a lot of that intense play. It makes me worried about Worlds because some people, it's a very serious game, and so some people there will play it a little bit more intense, and that can make it a little bit less, uh, a little bit, you know, puts your heart in your throat a little bit. Um, so I felt bad, you know, one of my good friends said he didn't really enjoy the game with me, you know, uh, because it was too pressurized and there was too much sort of making people feel uncomfortable about it, which is, which is not really very much fun to play. But um, I do think it's a, if you really want to play the game at the highest level, uh, whatever that is, um, it's probably worth practicing a little bit, getting a sense of what you, how you will politely tell your opponent if you do need the game to move forward, um, keeping track of how long they are taking, not not getting lost in your own, you know, uh, and then just then just finding yourself just like oh I I could have won this but I just completely didn't know that I only had five minutes left, uh, which can make you feel pretty bad as well. So haven't quite put my finger on it in terms of of cracking the code on that one. But um, from experience at Worlds, you know those games, so many of them ran to time. So many of them were super close, super uh, touchy, and it's part of the game you have to definitely get good at. It's such a difficult uh, and and subject. Uh, it's being discussed at the forums right now. I noticed. Um... Just oh, the other that? day. Yeah. So, what what are people saying? Is it? Uh... Yeah, I I think so. The we will probably postpone this for another episode. But uh, mm -hmm. the 
the issue of uh, round timers and 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 times for 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 games timings for games it's very it's one of the things i i i really dislike about imperial assault because uh fielding different lists has some advantages and disadvantages where if you have a lot of figures to control it's sometimes hard to to not fall into the slow play trap and if you yep. have a if, if you have if you have only a few figures to control like like in an ATTP list or something where most of your actions are already spoken for before the round begins then it seems like an eternity that your opponent is, is thinking so yeah uh, I don't there's no real solution for this uh, other than 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 too much reg regulation on how much time each player can use yeah. so uh, I'm not well, I would. I actually wouldn't mind it terribly if it was a four-round game. Um, just say it's four rounds, and that's that. Because I've had very exciting games that have ended around the clock. Um, sometimes that's been good. Most of the time, that's been bad because one player feels like they outclocked the other player, which you know that's why I don't like uh, you know, certain sports that have that aspect in. But um, I think that you know when the game is really close, if you knew the game was ending in round four, yes, you could say that the, you would start two players playing very fast, you know, they, they, they're in round four, it's only 30 minutes in. Sure, you could say, well, no, I, we want to keep playing, but it just sort of says the game ends, so get, you know, if you're not going to be able to kill your opponent, get the points in at round four, or what have you. Right now, you could have a game played by two players that goes easily to round eight, and game the next table that goes to round two. And there can be no set time later. How much time do you deserve or need to think? So... I'm not hard and fast on that. I just think you you, you could call this game a, a four round game, and uh, it would possibly uh, you know make different decision making. Yeah, the the pacing is completely different in Armada, but the way Armada works is actually in tournament wise is that you play until the end of round six or till time, whichever comes first. Mm. I mean, you play until time uh, in Imperial Assault too. So this is the 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 thing I think is that that. That the time window for Imperial Assault in tournaments is just too, too, too close. So yeah. that, there's almost there's almost no no fourth round at all in tournaments, which means you have all of most of the important action happening in two rounds. It's can be especially with the, the thematic we we touched upon earlier with uh, take initiative and negation. This can be very, very. Uh, feel bad moment. There can be very feel bad moment moments for for certain players yep. if they get trounced by for certain events that happen without them being able to have any interaction with them. So, well, I, I never really got the hang of um, the Ugnot list. Um, uh, tried it at nationals, didn't do very well with it. But I, I always could see its power and potential. I'm just I'm not patient enough for those kind of lists. But um, point denial and clever clever lists that sort of just really just give very little away but force or grind your opponent out i mean again i'm not the kind of player that's got the stomach for that i can't handle having everybody hate me at the end of a six round day but the game of course will always have those corners that can be found and i don't resent people who find or, or go after them either it's just um you know the the people who are playing the ugnaught swarms it's, it's both exhausting to play and play against um but it it takes advantage of the fact that with at least eight plus activations you're going to be able to slow the game uh, you're going to be able to justifiably slow the game to your advantage i um i think to a certain degree this was 
maybe even more prevalent when the troopers were in their heyday because of point denials through the different scoring system and the reinforcements. Um, so I haven't, yeah, I've seen it a bit with trooper lists in a sense, the same with, with, uh, Ognods. Um, the thread on the Fantasy Flight forums is a good place to, to read some of the discussion amongst, including a couple of notable players, um, and maybe chime in. Uh, personally, I think as well as, I think you mentioned it, Stefan, that it's, the game is a bit too short. I wouldn't mind if we had 10 minutes more for, per round. And also, though it is in the tournament rules now that the 65 minutes is intended to be including setup, I always encourage, encourage uh, tournament organizers to not start the time until people have set up, or at least give them a little bit of time to set up to decrease sort of the deadline at the at the, the cutoff hour at the opposite end. But it's, on the other hand, there's a practical aspects of having to finish it in a day. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, but can you hear me? Oh, I think our, I think our channel just crashed. So. Too much wisdom. Oh wait. Uh, can you oh, wait. hear me now? Or? Oh, it works again. I'm back. Yep. Ah, that's cool. So we will continue recording and. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yep, you were breaking up really bad. Yeah, I think you just, broke our Discord channel. So. <laughs> I heard a lot of uh, sort of clinging, sort of going in and out. Yeah. Basically, what I was yeah. saying is I, I think it's nice if there's a bit more time. And I think it's, I, I like to encourage tournament organizers to um, allow people a little time to set up, even though it's official part of the, the playing time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. I will attend the regionals uh, in, in Austria. Uh, the day after tomorrow and i think that's basically how they handle it they will allow the full 55 minutes i think it is for actual playing time and set up in between it's just how, how they do it and i i'm very much for that so and even that even the 55 minutes is pretty tight i think there, there is an argument in the threat um about that you may need to take a hit for the for the community and be a dick to your opponent if you meet someone who's slow playing to sort of get them to change their behavior but i think it's it's very difficult things to do that's that's an ambitious ask for for most people who just you know want to you know especially like we joked i mean the fact that i'm going to five regionals i am not your average ia player <laughs> Uh, I understand entirely how some people, I don't know why you ha anybody has any other interests, it's weird to me, but still, some people like to come to one IA regional <laughs> a season, and um, I think that if, the, if that's sort of the feelings they get, that's what keeps people out of the game, so luckily I, I totally ruined the day of one guy who I know loves the game to death, so he's not going anywhere, but if I had done that to somebody who, or if I had felt that way with somebody who was trying to figure it out or had been told online this is how you win, um, it's a shame, I don't want to chase people away from the game. But if I think about Worlds ticket yet, I have not yet procured. I am I'm sort of nervous about having to enter that kind of mindset again, uh, because you can do it in a friendly way, but then Worlds will always be Worlds. It'll matter. I I do think you have a little bit more of a vested responsibility to not slow down the game if you're ahead, but it's a bit difficult to sort of <laughs> gauge that or put that to, to words. I, yeah. I, I'll be talking about my play experiences in a moment, but I had a situation as well with a person who was playing very slowly and it, it affected the outcome of the game. I, I, I'm absolutely certain it wasn't intentionally, but it was just because he was 
really wanting this and he he wanted to think everything through. Oh but, yeah, the stakes are high. But they they are, but it's um we had a situation where basically we luckily managed to get a third round in, but it took us another twenty minutes to play that third round, even after there was no time pressure on, where basically it meant the rest of the tournament was waiting for us half an hour besides the time that we were already like doing the game that the impact it had on the outcome mm. of the game and you can't blame most tos and organizers not quite know how to handle that um when it comes up but see i don't play enough um other games i can't think of x-wing or destiny or any other game having a a, a a need for there be more guidance to say, look, this is how you deal with this because it comes up oh, in this game in a yes. way. <laughs> oh, yes. Maybe there is. That's I think me, my ignorance. It, in Pillar Assault, and that's also a little bit linked to the whole discussion of how the point scoring is, in Pillar Assault is different in that you can be static and that means you can more like really deny gameplay to your opponent. You can't do that with a constant motion in, in the same, as easily as in X-Wing and Armada in a sense. But I did have at the Dutch Nationals, where I shouldn't have been because I wasn't well and because of the surgery I'm awaiting, but I had a game playing against an opponent who traveled quite far to been there, that it in the planning phase, in every round, it took him five minutes, and I basically started timing him, and every time we hit the five-minute mark, and the games are only ten minutes longer than, it, than, than Imperial Assault, so whenever we hit that five-minute mark, I'd have to, like, politely tell him, and that was every single round, even before we were actually engaged and fighting. So, and it's also discussed there as much as it is in uh, in uh, in Imperial Assault. Um, I see it less in Amada, but that's, again, because it's a completely different pacing. Yep. Okay, so yeah, but since you already started, if Alistair is basically oh, that's, yeah, that's finished, just then me. Uh, the other thing you... I would just say is yeah. there was a really, really great uh, win at the um, I Buy War Games Regional by a guy who's on the uh, who's been a really good member of the Board Wars community, uh, uh, Isaac. He won the regional, and I I would say that he's a guy I've known for a long time as a player, and I advised him to join the Board Wars community. He's been always been a great member looking for a game, and it's really improved his game, and that resulted in a regional win, which was very well-deserved. So shout-out, Isaac, if you're listening. Congratulations. Well done. Um, and, you know, keep playing those Vassal games. And he's a KJOC on the Discord, I think. That's, I, was, I was thinking I had to sort of remember what his name was to say it, but there you go. Yeah. And, and that match, by the way, is available on YouTube. I watched it there, and it was a, a very interesting game. Okay, so yeah, but you wanna already go ahead with your uh, play experiences. All right, so uh, campaign-wise, we had a bit of hiatus after our previous one, and uh, we've uh, recently started a new one. We're playing Bespin, which is the second time for several of us, and uh, <coughs> um, we we've played it. So, so we played it once before. I think two or three of us. We're only four players at the moment. Um, but we are playing with four rebels for sort of balancing issues. I played the Empire the last time we played Bespin, and I recall it being fairly much uh, being overrun by the rebels uh, at the time. So uh, right off the cuff, putting the heroes together for this campaign, we took out uh, both Gideon, MHD, and Diala and Fen, um, three of which had been in the group the last time we played uh, Bespin. Um, and a little bit back and forth. Um, we ended up with playing Kotun, which was the only one I really wanted to see in action because I hadn't seen Kotun in a in an ordinary campaign yet. Uh, She's only, very good. Yeah, I've only seen her in the in the. I played her uh, against the Ab. She's really good. Yes, and really really good, which I'll get back to. Um, and Ona, 
and um, Davis, and then we have Vinto as kind of our dummy, we're sort of controlling him uh, between the three of us. And I have to say, um, the first two mission uh, we're playing against one of the strongest Imperial Assault players around uh, here in the in the Netherlands, and um, he's in my camp group, campaign group as well, and uh, he didn't really stand much of a chance in those first two games. Um, I don't know if it's... I have some... Um, I have some ideas about balance in in uh, Bespin being a little bit off, especially because I think the wing guards are just not strong enough with most Imperial classes, uh, and especially against certain uh, heroes and so on. Um, but to be honest, the, the thing that decided the first two missions more or less um um the single fact was the 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 upgrade that Onar can get that makes him do attribute rolls better um it's making him i think one of the best objective runners in the in the campaign uh it's called brutal strength something to that effect basically it means that you can make any attribute test into a strength one and before you do one of those, you can exhaust the card and do a strength test. And if you get two surges, you can do it without an action. Uh, so a little bit like Mech and uh, Logo can do with certain interacts. Um, and um, the first two missions and investments are really dependent on attribute rolls. So um, not much of a chance for otherwise uh, extremely well-playing Emperor. Um, in the third mission, we lost uh, as Rebels with just one a health left on Busk, which is the one we needed to kill to win. So it was a very close call, and that was very nice to see. Um, and uh, we're now going into the final mission, playing it in a few days. Uh, days, and uh, yeah, um, Kotun is incredibly good with uh, her squad cohesion and a couple of other things. So the the extra punch you start with the first round, with all the power tokens, and you can use them as whatever, is just. Uh, yeah, it's really difficult to to contend with as the Empire. It's very nice, yeah. Um, <coughs> I also think that Bespin is one of the the better campaign, campaigns for her to showcase her abilities, since it's it's very cramped and uh, usually the the uh, the rebel team isn't being drawn into that many different uh, corners of the map. So it's easier for her, for her, I think, to make use of her. Um, abilities to start that are dependent on distance to her allies or distance from the allies to themselves. So um, I I think it's very it's she's very good and she's she might be she might be even better investment. So I I think that of course going in I knew Winter was really strong, but I thought the other three were sort of middle of the road in strength. Um, the last mission we played, the one we lost, Freedom Fighters, symptomatically, was actually one where you're getting split up quite a bit. So we get yes, less use I of yeah. Kotun. That's 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 what I was, was thinking about. But I think the next mission should be good again. So okay. So, uh, but you did also play some regionals. Did you already yeah. talk about that? No? no, no. I mentioned it a little bit, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> basically, um, we have one regionals. And I've been worried for months whether I would be able to attend because, as I've spoken about previously, I am uh, getting some major surgery in the near future, and the date was not set for my surgery, and also not set for the for the regionals. But luckily, I was able to attend. Now, uh, I have not been playing a lot of skirmish 
lately because I weren't playing in the nationals because I was hosting them rather than playing in them. So I was not basically really preparing for them. I was more like uh, playing with some of the others to prepare them. So I haven't really played anything competitively since I were at the Nordics in October with uh, with Alistair. Um, and I've gotten maybe, I think, in those three, four months, I've gotten eight or ten games in of skirmish in total. And I've been playing more or less just one list, which was a combination of spies and hunters. What happened was that like two, half past two in the morning, before going to the regionals, I tossed out my list and brought another uh, one. Uh. And haven't you learned? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Apparently not. Um, and that was um, that was not a good idea, which means I didn't really get to test my idea with this uh, spy list. I brought something that was similar, but enough different to um, to not at all click in the same way. Now, um, if that was sort of the first thing that went wrong in my uh, my prepping when. I was getting out of the door in the morning to drive from where I live near Amsterdam to The Hague, where the tournament was, like 45 minutes or so. I got in my car, and I wasn't even out of the parking garage underneath our building before it broke, and it broke bad. Um, our car had gotten back from the garage. Started making meth? <laughs> it just got... Started selling drugs? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I was in my underwear and in the desert and the, the famous Dutch deserts. <laughs> um, it had just gotten back from the garage a week prior and we'd had some repairs made on it and the garage had said that uh, the mechanics that they'd think that it, could, uh, it should be able to run for another two years, which is what we had planned because... We're thinking of getting an electric car and postponing that two years does a lot for what's available on the market right now in terms of the technology moving and so on. So we decided we wanted to try it for another two years and spent quite a bit of repairs on it. But now it broke and it broke irreversibly. We've just, it's basically done as a car. It's, um, it's being sold off now for only a quarter of the amount of money we used repairing it two weeks ago. But that's not the worst. Well, that's bad enough. But <laughs> first of all, I had to get hold of my friend who was driving with me to the regionals, get him to get to a train to make it there that way. I got a cab. I had to sort things to move the car out of the way and um, all sorts of things. Um, but I called a cab first thing, and the cab had a trouble finding where we live. So when the cab arrived, it was too late for me to make the train. So I had to take this cab all the way to The Hague, to where the tournament was, which is as I mentioned, only like 45 minutes uh, by car, except that it meant that it was more expensive to go to this tournament in the neighborhood practically than when I flew to Birmingham for uh, the Europeans <laughs> last year. Um, so I was a little bit addled when I arrived there and I had another list and it was maybe not the best of things and I lost so badly in my first round. Oh. I lost to a player I didn't know who was Dutch, so it was strange, I didn't know him, and he had all the regional kit, and he clearly knew the rules better than, I think, anyone else locally, uh, bar maybe myself. Um, So I'm usually the one who has to tell people and help them with the rules and the timing and so on, but he knew it. And the mystery, of course, was that, just like I'm Danish and living in the Netherlands, he's Dutch, but he lives in Germany, where he's a tournament organizer and a very talented player. And I lost bad. I then went into my second game, 
I lost bad. So when we got to the third round of Swiss, I got the bye because I was basically the worst person present. We were 13 players in total. And one of the reasons I just dropped my list and brought something else was I had no sort of ambitions of of taking the championship. I just wanted to get to top eight to get the dice because I fumbled so horribly last year and didn't get dice at the time. And now suddenly I was basically the last in the tournament. <laughs> but I managed to then win my fourth round of Swiss, which meant that because I had lost to the undefeated player um, early on, it meant that I ended up uh, getting in as a seven space out of the 13 and I got into the cut. Yeah, I, there's a siren okay. in the background. I don't hope it'll rather my son no, is with uh, my girlfriend. Um, uh, hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, so right. while Yeppe while Yeppe uh, tends to his siren attack, <laughs> hides from the cops. Yeah, uh, I will just barge in and talk about what I played last few uh, weeks. I did a lot of uh, playing skirmish, preparing for the regionals. Uh, they are day after tomorrow. I already said that I think, and I'm playing a Han Rangers, uh, Hera, mm, Jin, and Care package list, and R2D2 is also in there. So it's a lot of activations, and it's Hunter, it's Smuggler, it's it's all of the good stuff. So and I, I have a lot of card draw, so it's pretty weird. Uh, it's hard to play because once you, uh, yeah. Uh, it's hard to play, but I think I got a little bit. Oh, what? Wait, wait! I have to write Yeppe that it's okay. Uh, yeah. So, but the, the the issue is that you need to to really take care of what you wanna place where, so it doesn't so that your key figures don't don't get removed before they have done their duty. So. I made some mistakes. I learned from them, so I should be good for the regionals at least. And I'm at least I can put up a fight now. So, yeah, I think that you know Han is wonderful, but he's if your opponents work really hard to kill Han, then you're laughing with that list. It's, it's the Rangers when somebody kills one or two of them, or you put them where they can go. It's funny. I think they're the vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I got the Rangers figured out now, uh, but. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so other than that, uh, we've been finishing up our Legends of the Alliance campaign. And this has gone pretty bad for the Rebels. Uh, they were trouncing or they were threading over the, the app in the first two missions. And then the app got updated with all the, um, with all the new mm. uh, enemy figures. And from then on, I think they, they, won, they still won the third mission. And we will talk about how the third, third mission actually works uh, in a... Uh, next episode, but the fourth and the fifth mission were pretty hard on them. The fourth mission was basically unwinnable because they took too long to remove certain figures. And the fifth mission, it was actually pretty close, I think, but there is a, we will talk about it in a few weeks uh, on the show, but it's a very nice mission, and the second part of it is is pretty, pretty Rogue One-ish again, and I, I really like that, and they just got a little bit unlucky with the rolls, and um, they were they were like headless chicken running around once the a big bad enemy shows up. So it's I liked it, and they also liked it very much. Uh, and they, of course they were playing on hard, 
basically blind, not knowing anything about the missions. So the the whole did it did it very well in my eyes. They made very little mistakes, uh, given what they knew already about the mission. So uh, what they did do is they figured out who the traitor was, and but they didn't manage to to kill him. So he showed up in the last mission again. So I will also talk about this mechanic when we got when we get there. But I really like yeah. see, seeing that how the different how it can the the, the story and some of the uh, some of the mechanics can be different. Uh, in different playthroughs, depending on if you find out who the traitor is, if you uh, manage to to to, um, to disturb him or not. So I really like it. So I keep uh, I keep wanting more, and I keep wanting uh, even better campaigns with more more branches and more interactions with with certain characters. So I I'm very happy with the app, and I certainly got my my playtime out of it. So. Yeah, it's still, I mean, still free, so... Maybe, it's still free, you know, yeah. It doesn't cost anything, so... Yeah, they, they, they've got a backlog of money that I'm willing to pay them as soon as they start introducing... The, <coughs> nothing's yeah. going to be too expensive when <coughs> we finally get to that. No, I mean, if, if if something similar to this costs 10, 10 bucks, it's it's a no-brainer for me. I mean, 10 bucks is... It's, we, we played... I played it twice, and uh, now three times with my, with my uh, group. So twice for myself and three times with my group. So and this is a lot of uh, enough hours to justify a ten dollar investment for sure, if not more. So I really like it. So okay, yeah, but you you are back. Uh, is I everything am, okay? I'm, yeah, yeah. The, just a little one woke up. So uh, sorry for the okay. interruption. Yeah. So do you wanted to go over the regionals. Um, just the, fully. Just I was missing was I think my, it was uh, the fourth round, right? Um, yeah, so the fourth one I, I won after I've gotten a, a buy uh, in the third round. So I went on to the top eight and was then, of course, paired against number two, which was uh, it's a very strong local player. Um, so the list I had ended up playing was uh, a set of Weakways and Ahsoka and a regular Claudite and uh, C-3PO and a regular Java and uh, IG-88. Uh, part of that had been in the other list I'd played, and IG-88 was basically the the new stuff I'd gotten in instead of Alliance Rangers, um, and that meant I had shuffled some um, an Elite Claudite to a regular and other stuff, um, and I had Devious Scheme, um, and I just never really got enough out of um, IG-88. I never got his Blaze of Glory off or anything resembling. Now, going into this game... Um, I had struggled both in when I played the lead regular in the other list I'd been playing for a while, uh, not not in, in a competitive uh, context, and also in this tournament with my regular Claudite, I had the problem that I keep forgetting the start around timing of changing the shapes on my Claudite. Uh, oh, you're, you're playing some harsh I, harsh components there if they're not giving that chance. Well, often it's I'm not asking for it if I uh, if I forget it. But the interesting thing is, this game was decided by me remembering to change shapes, um, which I'll get back to. But basically, we were playing on Jabba's realm on the is it the I don't know if it's the one called New Ownership, but the one where you get four victory points for controlling any of the three locations. And uh, we're going back and forth, exchanging some um, some weak ways uh, here and there. And um, oh, I had an Ocknot as well. That was my last point. I had a regular Ocknot. Um, 
a single one in my list, not a swarm. Um, I, I don't understand how this works, but okay. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't work, especially because I hadn't really uh, trained with this list. But nevertheless, um, I'm taking out a bit more of his figures than me. He has double weakways and Onar and uh, Vento care package and so on. Uh, and Greedo. And I'm removing more of his figures than he's removing of mine. But he's getting um, a bit more points from the objectives. And going into the last round, I've I've um, I've got a uh, my Claudite regular Claudite in the uh, Rancor pit with my opponent's um, junk droid because he had one Orknot as well. And I basically know that I have to survive to contest that spot. So, and what I'm thinking is that at some point that Claudite will activate, kill the um, kill the junk droid, and then basically just use Conspire to get some defensive tokens to um, to stay alive. So I can, I'm contesting that point at the very least. So I do remember at the start of that round to change from Street Rat to uh, become... Um, uh, Senator instead. Yeah. And unfortunately, when he had run into the hole, I had um, I'd been attacking with a uh, on the way one of my opponent's weak ways, but because he was hidden, I did not get my damage in, which would have otherwise killed a unit and also decided the um, the the game. I think at that stage. So there's a lot of things that are very close. Now, what happens is that as we move forward uh, into this last round, um, I, uh, I'm one point ahead on victory points. So it means that if I am um, contesting all three, or if I contest one, get one, and my opponent get the other, I will be one point ahead of him. The drawback is that my opponent has black market ties. Oh, oh no! Card, yeah. but it's just called Black uh, Market. The the skirmish operation. Black Market, yeah. Um, and I also know, especially because I've been tossing a bunch of his cards, uh, cards with some of my spy cards. I know that there are four cards yet, two in his hand and two in his deck. And I know, looking at his discard pile, that there's a value of five in total. And looking at his list, I'm pretty confident that one card is assassinate. And another card is Strength in Numbers, because he's running double weak ways. So I know that out of the five cards, sorry, out of the four cards, two in his hand and two in his deck, and I don't know the one in his hand at this time, I know that two of them will lose him the game at the end of the round, and two of them will win him the game. Because even if he had a, had a one-point card, which I don't think he does, I would win because the tiebreakers would be in my favor, because my points are from killing units, where he's got more points from objectives. So uh, what happens is that he has a weak way that then ends up uh, escaping down the chute in the Rancor pit, which meant that if I had actually been the um, street rat, it's a wounded uh, weak way rather than the um, senator, I would have been able to kill both the weak way and the junk droid next to me, and I would have won the game without that tie thing becoming relevant and black market. But I had actually remembered that round to change, and as I said, my assumptions at the time would that there would not be more figures jumping down there. So we're in a situation where I know that 
if we go to the end of the round without changing anything on the board state, and at this stage we've only got two figures left, he has got um, he's got his Ognaught, which is too far away to really uh, uh, he cannot get to anywhere to get points from the objectives, and he can also not get to <coughs> he also cannot get to anywhere where he can kill anything of mine. And I'm doing my last activation, which is Ahsoka. So I basically know that he cannot change anything more. So it's all going to depend on what happens when he does Black Market or what I do with Ahsoka. And Ahsoka cannot take any of the objectives of her own. There's only one way she can change the outcome. <coughs> and that's by killing Greedo, who has two health left. But... Ahsoka has already taken damage, so if Greedo in his parting shot kills Ahsoka, then he frog leaps ahead of me and wins in points. So I'm basically in the situation where I can choose this game to win in, uh, to end in two ways. Either let it run to time and let the draw decide it. And I know, of, of again, of the four unknown cards, two of them will win him the game. Um, or I can choose to kill Greedo. And I was back and forth, and I basically decided that I would rather lose the game by being proactive than by being passive <laughs> and lose the That's game. That's called the moral victory. Yeah. <coughs> so, so, so basically, you let you let the dodge decide. So basically, <laughs> I I killed his Greedo, and his Greedo unfortunately killed me. Um, and also, <laughs> it then get went to show that he had. Assassinate on his hand, so it was not in the deck. Um, but uh, but strength of numbers was, but it was not the last card of the two cards. The first card, of course, would be the one he would get from his regular draw. He was not on a terminal. Uh, but I didn't have the perfect knowledge when I did this decision, so I basically had to choose how do I want this game to end, and I lost, unfortunately. Uh, it's well, it's, it's a tight finish. Tight finish. Very interesting game. Um, uh, the way it ended, it was the one that was a little bit slow. Um, I wouldn't have minded us having another round, but and now we got one at least, and that was the one that took uh, quite a long time. Again, my opponent, very strong player. I'm absolutely certain that he wasn't uh, uh, slow playing on intention. He was just having mm -hmm. some really tough choices, and uh, it's always good if you give your opponent tough choices, but it's, it's a balance how much time you can spend uh, taking them. Yeah. Okay, so pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty tight finish and pretty nice report. Um, yeah. So, anything else you played? Nothing, I think. Right. So you, you no, played Bespin and as, as you can hear, I'm, as you can hear, I'm yeah. coughing quite a bit as well because I'm trying to recover from pneumonia. So my voice is yeah. also coming to to its end uh, for now. But no, I haven't. I haven't played anything else. But those were. Um, it was a heavy ending for me going to that regionals because I did get my dice and I lost to a fine player who went on to actually lose the final so I basically bookended my day with losing to the regional winner and losing to the the runner-up um, and I walked away with my dice and was really happy um, and it was a very interesting uh, choice towards the end with uh, with that situation okay so uh, Pazi you still yes. here? Okay. Uh, anything you played since we last talked? Anything interesting, like uh, forum campaigns or uh, something? Yeah, the three forum campaigns are going on, and uh, I'm getting I'm getting beat, and uh, okay. a lot of them are now using uh, plus one threat level. But uh, 
it doesn't really matter that much. So even even with plus one threat level, you're still getting struck? Yeah, yeah. But at least I'm making the missions interesting for the rebels. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so um, with nothing else new going on, I think that uh, we'll put a lid on this episode. Um, any parting words from you before we head on over into uh, next hiatus? <laughs> um, uh, Pazi? Star Wars Rebels is on. Watch it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about that, and but I, I think we should. Is, yeah, yeah. I think we should wait until the the season ends and then maybe have a little bit of a chat about it, right? So, I, I saw the the newest episode today, and I'm actually a bit disappointed, but we'll, I, I I withhold what? my judgment until see. Yeah, I, I'll tell you why when we when we talk about it. But uh, more on that in a few weeks when the when the season finally concluded. So, watch this space. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeppe, any, any, any last words? <coughs> uh, well, uh, while I cough here. I, we are, certainly, but I'm certainly also living in interesting times. Um, but uh, maybe more news about this the next time we record. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, uh, Alistair, what's with you? Uh, well, just next time we record, I hope to be able to report two more regionals. Uh, two more regionals all the way. Wow. I know that that'll yeah. be that'll be five of the seven that I you know could have gone to because they but they were all spaced nicely out. So as I said, they all seem to be well attended and really great new faces winning them as well. So uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about my next uh, next feature report and maybe something new to say about world soon. Okay, so and for me, I I try to get healthy again and uh, maybe do something with the regionals in Austria here and tell you all about it next time. With that, uh, we will see us again in a few weeks and until then, may the force be with you and bye-bye. Just listen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.